Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Um, honestly, I'm from a city where a lot of people... I, I, I didn't personally know anybody in the NFL um, until like the year before I got drafted. So I just feel like we're um we're underdogs where I'm from. We we don't get a lot of a lot of the attention that we that we deserve and um I just I'm t- I got a lot of people who, who are not here who I who I play for, um and I play like, you know, I wanna make them proud, so and I felt great. I had I had, I had fun tonight. Played as a team, got the dub, so We've been talking about him, haven't we? been writing about it. I know I've been writing about him a lot during the preseason, even going back to OTAs, um, the draft night. There was something about Nate Hobbs. And even when we interviewed him, I th- I want to say it was on Zoom. I think it was on Zoom. Um, but it was one of those media availabilities on draft night. Uh, we who cover the, the, the writers – Got a chance to talk to Nate Hobbs. I think it was Sunday. It was the last day of the draft, fifth round, right? So it must must have been Sunday. Um, maybe it was Saturday. Anyway, it was the it was the last day of the draft. He was a fifth round draft pick, and here comes this dude. Okay, Nate Hobbs. The Raiders drafted Nate Hobbs, cornerback, Illinois, in the fifth round. Doing a little research, I had heard the name, hadn't really done much dug, digging into to to Nate Hobbs, uh, but quickly took a look at the tape. I was like, oh, this guy. Hmm. This guy is kind of interesting. Then talking to Nate Hobbs on draft day, talking to Nate Hobbs. I believe we talked to him in OTAs. At the very least, we heard from teammates uh, about Nate Hobbs during OTAs, uh, saw him out on the practice field, into training camp. This guy, number 39, just kept showing up, keeps showing up, showing up, uh, doing something good, doing something positive, being where he needs to be. Guys are talking him up, the coaching staff, other players uh, are coaching, are are talking Nate Hobbs up, and that doesn't normally happen. And you just see it. You can see this dude out there uh, looking like he belongs, looking like a professional, uh, looking like he's ready to be an asset early on, if not immediately, uh, for the Raiders. And Saturday night, the Raiders season or preseason opener against the Seattle Seahawks at an electric uh, Allegiant Stadium. We're going to get into the whole uh, show aspect of what happened on Saturday. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is a Monday, uh, 9.20 a.m. Raider Nation Radio uh, after a just a great weekend uh, in Las Vegas, a great weekend at Allegiant Stadium, a great root weekend for the Raiders for the NFL, trust me when I say the, the 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 powers that be on Park Avenue in New York City were watching with just smiles from 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 New York to the Las Vegas Strip about how happy they were with how things turned out on Saturday night uh, here in Las Vegas for the Raiders' first preseason game at Allegiant Stadium with fans involved. It was everything uh, that you expected it to be. It was everything that the NFL wanted it to be. And if it's a taste of things to come, this is going to be a special market uh, here in Las Vegas. And I am steadfast in that steadfast this is going to be a spectacular new market for the nfl new horizons and las vegas embrace the raiders there's plenty of you know uh, supporters raider nation that came in from out of town uh, california 
the Western states, nationally, um, people came in bunches to a preseason game. 50,000 fans, a little bit more than 50,000 fans. That's unheard of usually uh, at this time of year. But Raider Nation showed up, and it was a great show for everybody involved. But I'm talking about Nate Hobbs to start the show off. Gritty cornerback from Illinois. And John Gruden, we're going to get into what John Gruden had to say about Nate Hobbs uh, in just a little bit. But, you know, when I wrote about Nate Hobbs the first time, Back on in April, it's it's after just a um, you know we had a, we had a nice conversation with Nate. He kind of brought up a little bit about what he's been through his journey. There was a presence about Nate Hobbs. I've been doing this a long time, longer than I sometimes care to admit, but I've been doing this a long time. There's just certain dudes that kind of grab you a little bit. They 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 stand out above. Others. It's not anything that was forced. It's not anything that is, you know, going over the top or trying to be that guy or acting like that guy um, or, or or anything like that. It's all natural. It's all organic with this dude. And from the first time that we spoke to Nate Hobbs, I just felt something different about this dude. Like, all right, this is going to be a guy that's interesting. That'll be it'll be interesting to track. To in, it, it'll be interesting to to follow his journey to see if he's able to take it now uh, to this next level. And you saw him on Saturday. I'm not going to get too caught up. Um, you know, I know that there was the big splash play on the sack of Geno Smith, uh, where he just came flying off the edge on a corner blitz and buried Geno Smith into the grass. Almost caused a turnover. Initially, it looked like it was going to be a fumble. Raiders ball going the other direction. But uh, on replay, obvious that Geno hit the ground first before the ball came out. So you saw the splash play, and it gave you an idea of what it is that we've kind of been seeing throughout practice. Um, but, you know, somebody on Twitter said, well, what else did he do? Well, what else did he do? He 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 was efficient. He was solid. He was uh, where he needed to be um, as far as pass coverage. He held his own in in run support. You know, sometimes as a cornerback, the less you hear about somebody, the better it is. Obviously, you want to see interceptions and all that. But more than that, or just as importantly as that, you don't want to get beat. You don't want to get exposed. You don't want to be the reason why a guy, you know, caught, catches a 15-yard pass and then you miss the tackle and it goes for 40 yards. You don't want to be that guy. A lot of times, when you really think about it, when we're hearing the name of cornerbacks, a lot of times it's for the wrong reasons, not the right reasons. And so even though you might not have heard Nate Hobbs's name called beyond that fabulous play that he made coming off the blitz, that doesn't mean he wasn't doing his job, and because he was, and you go watch the tape. Um, he was he he looked like he belonged. He looked like he belonged, and he played a good portion. Uh, I think the entire first quarter, uh, as did uh, a bunch of the uh, young defensive players. And I just feel like he's somebody that Raider Nation should kind of rally behind. He's got a an inspiring story. Uh, he loses his father when he's twelve years old. Louisville, Kentucky, not in an area that's really known for producing NFL players. 
Um, you know, played well enough in high school, was a was a gritty good football player in high school, but really the only scholarship he had uh, offer was from Western Kentucky, you know, not USC, obviously, not Stanford, UC, Notre Dame. You know, it's, it's not even, for that matter, Washington State. It's not a Power 5 program. And at the very last second, Lovey Smith in Illinois decides to offer him a scholarship. I want to say that he decommitted on December 23rd of his recruiting cycle and signed or, or pledged to Illinois, the only Power 5 conference school that offered him a scholarship, pledged to Illinois and, and goes over to the fight, Fighting Illini, uh, Champaign, Illinois, played four years, uh, was learned under the tutelage uh, of a guy by the name of Lovey Smith. We all know who Lovey Smith is if you're a football fan. You know, cover to great defensive mind, head coach of the Chicago Bears when the Chicago Bears went to the Super Bowl. Yes, I just said that. The Chicago Bears, the Super Bowl, it hadn't happened since Mike Dicka in, in the 1980s. Uh, and here's Lovey Smith leading the, the Bears to the Super Bowl. He's now the defensive coordinator uh, of the Houston Texans, but prior to that, he was a head coach at Illinois. Not the greatest place to coach. It's almost, I, it, you know, there's certain coaching jobs that are. I wouldn't say career killers, but it's hard to win at Illinois in the Big Ten when you're dealing with Ohio State, when you're dealing uh, with with Penn State, when you're dealing with Michigan, when you're dealing with Michigan State. I could go on and on and on. Uh, the the trials and tribulations of trying to win at Illinois. Uh, so you know, Lovey Smith did the best he could uh, with uh, in in kind of a smaller program relative to the Big Ten, but he had a kid by the name of Nate Hobbs who learned under Lovey Smith. And if you're going to be in college and you're going to be a defensive back, you can't have anybody. There's nobody better to learn from than a Lovey Smith, who was is a great defensive coordinator, but his forte, one of his fortes is developing secondary players, defensive backs. So, you know, I and, and John Gruden talked about this and real quick. Uh, John Gruden talking about uh, Nate Nate Hobbs and just that there's there's something about this kid that kind of draws you to him. Here's John Gruden talking about Nate Hobbs. He's a little bit like Zay Jones. There's just certain, you know, there's certain guys that bring juice. They bring um, they bring something to the game that others just you can't explain it. He's one of these guys. He's he's into it all the time. Walkthroughs. Uh, meetings. He's a nickel corner. He might be an opening day starter for us. We gave him a start tonight. It's never too big for him. Um, played good on special teams. He was wired, wire to wire. He was in there at the end of the game. So uh, we got a lot to you know look at before we make any conclusions, but we do like our fifth-round pick. That's high praise uh, right there from John Gruden on a number of different levels. Number one, pretty much not playing his card um, entirely by saying that Nate Hobbs is going to be the day one starter, but hinting strongly that Nate Hobbs is going to be the day one starter. And really, it's, it's you know, you have to think of it like this as well. Nevin Lawson, who's the quote-unquote uh de facto starter right now, a guy, I guess, at the season were to start today or yesterday or maybe on uh, Friday rather than the Saturday after we saw what Nate Hobbs did, is probably the guy that would be would get the start. But Nevin Lawson is suspended for, I think, the first two games. Uh, again, this is like the third straight year. It's like this uh, weird uh, situation that, that Nevin keeps finding himself in. Uh, but the bottom line is he's going to miss a couple of games. 
for the uh, to start the season because he's on the suspended list. It came off of what was it, a hit uh, in the Denver Broncos game to end last season. I don't necessarily agree with the call, but it is what it is. And Nevin Lawson is on the uh, Nevin Lawson is on the suspended list. So almost by default, maybe you know uh, Nate Hobbs is going to get the start because Nevin Lawson is, isn't going to be out there. But I will say this: as the weeks go on, I'd be almost shocked if Nate Hobbs just made that a moot point. Anyway, I think Nate Hobbs is in line. He's playing his way into a starting position regardless of what happens or uh, with Nevin Lawson, regardless of Nevin Lawson's status to start the season. I think he is opening up enough eyes. And, I, you know, obviously want you guys' thoughts on what happened Saturday. Uh, I have, obviously, my own thoughts, and I'm going to share them with you. I thought the defense looked competent and as first steps go, competent is something that you would gladly take when you consider what we saw last year time and time again from the Raiders defense, which competent would be the opposite of how they played too often last year. Uh, I'm not questioning anybody's desire. I'm not questioning anything like that. But far too often, and I'm not speaking out of school to say this, far too often last year, that defense was disconnected, disjointed, disoriented. Uh, they didn't. They weren't on the same page. There was a lack of chemistry. You wondered sometimes about the messaging from the coaching staff uh, down to the players. You had guys looking at each other, wondering why are you over there when you're supposed to be over here? No, I thought you were supposed to be over here, and I was supposed to be. You know, you saw that. You didn't even have to read lips, be able to read lips to understand what was going on. Far too often, as guys just were looking around, wondering where's my help. I thought we were in cover, too. You're playing something entirely different. I thought we were in zone. You're in met. So, you know, there were a lot of issues last year in terms of being competent. And sometimes competent is, well, you would, you have, that's a starting point. You have to be competent. Other, and then build from that. Then you could be spectacular. You could be great. You could be decisive. You could be dynamic, electric, whatever you want to call it from beyond that point. And those are all areas where the Raiders want to get to. But right now, at this stage of the game, considering where they've come from, where they were, competent is a huge compliment, a huge step in the right direction. And when you look at Nate Hobbs and Trayvon Morrig, and you look at the fact that and think about this for a second. There was not one quote-unquote starter that played defensively on Saturday. Now, I will preface this by saying this, pre preface that by saying this, Trevor Morgan's is going to start, period. He's going to be the starting free safety. He hasn't quote-unquote won that job. And rightfully so. He's got to go out there and prove it. But I'd be shocked if Trayvon Morrig, who started the game at free safety on Saturday, isn't the starting free safety when the Baltimore Ravens come rolling into town to play the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium on Monday night, September 13th. I think Nate Hobbs at this point, we just talked about it, is on track and is on target to be the starting slot cornerback. Okay, but now take those two guys out of the equation and just assume – they're going to be starters come September 13th. You look at every other position on defense on Saturday that played, that started the game, right now they're all second-team players. But you're talking about Cleve Farrell. You know, you're talking about Solomon Thomas. You're talking about Darius Phylon. You're talking about Carl Nassib. You're talking about Nick Kwiatkowski, Jevin White. 
Uh, you're talking about uh, Damon Arnett started the game on Saturday. You're talking about names. These are the second team players that I just named. A few of those, uh, one, two, three, three to four of those players were starters last year. All right? So now that's your depth. Clee Farrell is your depth. Carl Nassib is your depth. Solomon Thomas is your depth. Darius Phylon, and then you might as well just name Gerald McCoy because he's going to be in there at some point, is your depth. Nick Kwiatkowski is your depth. And I think I'm almost doing a lot of these guys a disservice by calling them depth. They're all going to play. They're all going to be in the rotation. They're all going to be used situationally. And we're going to get to that as well. There are a lot of different things that we saw on Saturday that you didn't see these last couple of years. How about Tanner Muse and Malcolm Kuntz coming off the edge as outside linebackers rushing the passer? Tanner Muse went up and got a ball, deflected it. Nice play by Tanner Muse. Malcolm Kuntz on that very play, if you go watch it, is... Uh, oft is on the other side rushing the passer, except he drops back in coverage, so you're going to have a lot of that. You have guys standing up rushing the passer. You have guys with their hand in the ground rushing the passer. There were all types of different schemes and lineups and uh, alignments that the Raiders uh, showed on Saturday, and it's only barely into their install it's that there's so much more that you're going to see when the regular season unfolds obviously you don't want to play all your cards on Saturday but you got a glimpse of what kind of versatility and what kind of scheme versatility you're going to start seeing in how Gus Bradley and this Raiders defensive staff utilizes players not to get all into it what happened last year but it just felt like the same thing over and over again last year uh, with 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 the Raiders defense and this is how this is how you're going to line up. That's how you're going to play. And it's going to be – that's that's it. I didn't think the Raiders staff last year did a great job of utilizing players' individual uh, skill sets and lining the, them up in a way that was going to accentuate those skill sets. So we, when you see a Malcolm Coons lined up, upright, rushing the passer, that's what that dude does. That's one of the things that he does. Take advantage of that. Don't always ask him to put his hand on the ground and rush the passer that way. Now, he'll do that. He's going to have to do that at some point. But his his best attribute is rushing the passer, and probably uh, he does it better when he's a stand-up, outside linebacker, defensive end, rush edge. And you saw him lined up doing exactly that. You've seen that in practice. So it's the flexibility that we're seeing in this Gus Bradley defense and how they're utilizing guys. And what did he say a couple of weeks ago when we talked to him? If you show you can do something, if you show you can be an asset, if you show that you can help in a particular way, we'll figure out how to put you in that situation. You're going to play. And so when you see all what you saw yesterday or Saturday and in all the various ways guys were being used, just the Nate Hobbs blitz off the edge. People say, well, Gus Bradley doesn't blitz. Yes, he does. And if you show that you can, you're going to. You're going to get called in that regard. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider 27 is on the line. How you doing, Raider 27? Hey, Vinny. Um, I want to talk about um, everybody's really excited about the game. So am I. And everybody's talking about it. And so am I. And I've watched the game four or five times now. But what I want to talk about is certain players that when they got here, 
it was just like people just reamed these poor guys. And now look at the difference. Look at the, the Brandon Parkers of the Raiders. You know, will Brandon Parker be a starting left tackle? Probably not. Will he be able to fill in at almost any spot on the offensive line? Yeah, and he'll fill in pretty well, too. And you need players like that. You need that kind of depth. And then you look at, uh, look at Peterman. How ridicule was there when Gruden kept hanging? No, Peterman's going to be good. No, Peterman's going to be good. And then all of a sudden, three years in, Peterman looked really good. He looked really good. And there's a ton of players. Moreau came in with nothing and was developed into a starting linebacker. So, you know, when people look at the Raiders record and look at them, they're all just complaining and they want to complain about everything. I'm optimistic at the record that we're showing uh, developing players. John Simpson looked great. Um, um, Lester Cotton looked really good. That second and third unit offensive line looked pretty doggone good. You know, we brought in Morrissey. Did you see Morrissey, the center? Yes, I saw Morrissey. How could you not? How could you miss Morrissey on that touchdown? He pushed everybody in the whole thing back. <laughs> he literally moved everybody. Yeah, Morrissey was great. And look, it's so, not. It's not. And obviously, you got to keep it in perspective. Um, the the the, uh, the the Seattle Seahawks were using backup players as well. But but when your backup players are mauling the other team's backup players, that's got to be a good sign. It means your backup players are better than their backup players. Period. That means you're doing a pretty decent job of drafting and, like you said, uh, developing. And and I'm glad you bring up Nathan Peterman. I just you know, I don't know. <laughs> You're talking about a third-string quarterback right now, okay, who eventually could be the, the, the second-string quarterback, you know, uh, and, and be a good, solid second-string quarterback. But let's just keep it where it is right now. He's the Raiders' third-string quarterback. This is a quarterback who now is in his third season in John Gruden and Greg Olson's system. All right, third season. That is, I'm trying to go through the rosters in the NFL to find a quarterback, a third-string quarterback, who's going into his third year under the same tutelage, in the same system, the same coaching staff. I don't know. I'd have to really do a deep dive on that. I doubt very seriously there's many, if any. So when you start talking about a third-string quarterback, and let's just say Derek Carr, for whatever reason, you know, had to miss a game or two, all right? In that situation, you're really vulnerable. Some teams don't even carry a third quarterback, and others that do, a lot of times it's like a rookie or a guy that, you know, um, you, you brought in in, in in camp that year, and, you know, you're hoping that you might be able to get some mileage uh, out, out of that player. But typically, if your starter goes down and you go to your second-string quarterback, which is dicey to begin with, then that third-string quarterback gets elevated to the second string, which means he's a play away, literally, from running out on the field. That third-string quarterback often is somebody you have to go out on the street to go get, or it's somebody that's super, super inexperienced. And you have to do all kinds of condensing of the game plan, if not crash course on the offense and condense it considerably, uh, to make up for whatever he doesn't know. Nate Peterman, you don't have to do any of those things at this point. 
if Derek Carr were to go down and Marcus Mariota steps in and, and, and is a starting quarterback for whatever given time, you know in your second-string quarterback now behind Marcus Mariota, you have somebody that you're not going to have to tear out half the playbook or, or 99% of the playbook to just be able to get to a point where he's going to be able to go out there and be somewhat respectable. You don't have to do that with Nate, Nate Peterman. And by the way, he is developing. He's getting better. He's getting his practice reps. He's getting his time in as, you know, and, and learning the system and developing. And it won't be long. And I think we saw a sign of this on Saturday. He might not be the worst guy to throw out there in an emergency situation as your third string quarterback, thinking he's going to give the Raiders a chance. He'll give the Raiders a chance for whatever extended period of time he might get, short, long, whatever the case might be. He can give them an opportunity to keep their heads above water. And really, that's all you're asking from your third-string quarterback. And that's asking a lot. A lot of teams can't even expect that from their third-string guy. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. It was great to have the Raider fans out there, by the way. Kind of numb, you know, just... Uh, to see the world coming back together and, and to be in this stadium with these fans again, it um, it just warms my heart. I thank them all for coming out, and um, you know we, we we are really really excited about playing in front of them for the rest of this year. Yeah, man, um, I'm with uh, I'm with John Gruden. Uh, that was you know last year was such a bummer. Um, it really was just watching games, and I, I traveled with the Raiders, so I was at every every all the road games, and and just seeing the nothingness that was in the stands, and you know it was it was kind of a those were real games uh, going out on those fields last year, and and guys were giving it their all. Um, it was the NFL, the top one percent, but uh, you know. And I don't want to say that it felt like practice because it wasn't. Guys were competing, and and they were playing hard nosed football out there, but there was something missing. All last year, it was an atmosphere. It was the fans. It was the excitement that they bring. It was the energy that they provide, whether it's for, you know, uh, here in Las Vegas or, or out on the road. And you just felt it. You noticed it. And it wasn't cool at all. You knew something was missing, and it, it was kind of it, it was hurtful. I mean, obviously, also we're going through this pandemic, and people are dying, and, and we're trying to get back on track as a country. You know, you, you you go to these stadiums, and not only are there no fans in the stands, but you understand there's no you know people are losing their jobs as a result. Uh, so you had that going on, and it was just it was a total bummer. And we all went through it, uh, covered the football season, the players played, the coaches coached, but there was something that was missing last year. And getting a taste of it on Saturday night at Allegiant Stadium, what we've missed all these all, for for all of last year to get it back, and then to get it back at that kind of a level. It was surreal. It was a truly special night in Las Vegas. And I mentioned in the earlier um, segment, New York, the NFL, is so happy right now. They cannot be any happier than they had to have been on Saturday watching this new market in Las Vegas uh, blossom the way it did on Sunday. And it's really just the start. Can't wait to see what it looks like uh, on September 13th when Baltimore comes rolling into town and then every week after that, and especially if the Raiders are in a uh, a playoff chase to see what the kind of energy the fans that you know Raider Nation fans are going to be able to uh, to to create. I think is truly going to be special, and we're going to get into um, 
that plus what I thought were some major improvements on the getting to the stadium and getting out of the stadium. It's a learning process. I know there were a lot of people complaining over the first couple events that happened at Allegiant Stadium. Patience, everybody. This is a whole new world here in Las Vegas. It's something that Las Vegas has never had before. There's going to be traffic, but you got to let it play out and um, let the experts, their, 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 their number one goal is to get you into that stadium as quickly as possible and get you out of that stadium as quickly as possible and for you to enjoy the experience from the minute you show up, whether that's 7 a.m. in the morning with the tailgating uh, or whether you leave at you know three hours after the game after you know kicking back and having some fun, going to the team store, whatever the case might be. That's their goal, and they're going to figure it out along with you guys. It's a learning experience for everybody, and and the fans have their part to play in it too. In terms of getting it figured out, what's the best route to the stadium? Where do we? Where, what's the easiest way to get to my parking lot? Uh, how do I get to into the stadium? Where's the gate that I have to go to? Uh, it's all a learning experience, and it's going to get licked, and it's going to be great. And uh, there was already a big step in that direction on Saturday. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line to welcome in my good friend and my teammate, my colleague uh, over at the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Sam Gordon, who does a tremendous job covering so many different things, uh, including the Las Vegas Aces, who had an epic comeback uh, yesterday uh, in a huge win. Um, and we're going to talk to Sam about that. Uh, but Sam, first of all, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my friend? And hey, Tom, are you doing well? Doing well. Uh, football is back. Actual football uh, is back. We're on the precipice of the first season with fans here in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. And I like you talked about, Vinny. We got a little bit of taste of that on Saturday night. So um, all is well. A lot going on in town and uh, a fun time to be in Las Vegas for sure. Yeah, and, you know, uh, let's start. From the experience and the atmosphere to start off with, uh, as I just mentioned, you know there were there was a concert, there were there were a couple concerts I think, and then the soccer match um, here at Allegiant Stadium, and of course there were going to be issues. Of course there were going to be wrinkles to iron out. Uh, it's a first time for on this magnitude for Las Vegas. There's never been a stadium that held sixty five thousand people there, so getting fans into the stadium, into the parking lots, safely and securely, getting them out of the stadium. It was going to be a learning process, uh, but, I, but I felt like it was much smoother and much better uh, on, on, on Saturday for a lot of different reasons, and I give the fans a lot of credit for kind of paying attention and learning and, and figuring things out, but also the Raiders and the, and the stadium uh, authority as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you completely, and, and we have to remember here, and everybody in town has to remember, this is an unprecedented situation for, for Vegas, where, where you have um, a brand-new stadium, a football team, where on nine, ten Sundays, or Mondays or Thursdays or whatever, throughout the course of the year, that th- this is going to be the number one event by a mile in town, and there are a lot of moving parts with that, and I think having the Garth Brooks concert last month, having the soccer game, um, the CONCACAF soccer game between the USA uh, and Mexico earlier this month, um, those were kind of soft test runs for what it would be like to, to deal with those kind of crowds, the parking, you know, the drop-off spots and all those things. And like you said, Vinny, it's going to be a, a learning process, but I, I expect throughout the course of the year it's going to get a little easier and easier. I think you being in all the pro sports markets you've been in, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minneapolis area where, he, where we had everything, including the Vikings, and there's just kind of a tempo that develops to a game day. And you know what lots are going to be available you know if you're coming with friends and family where they can drop you off, where they can pick you up. You know the public transportation schedule. You know what bars and restaurants are going to be accessible and where to go to there if you can't get a ticket to the game. 
it's all part of having an NFL team. And I think Saturday, to your point, is one step closer to kind of discovering that rhythm, what it's going to be like having a game day here in Las Vegas. And, and all things considered, uh, given that it was just the first one, right, the first one with fans, um, I think it was pretty smooth. And it's not going to be perfect. It's, you know, there's always, it's always, there's always going to be aspects of getting to and from a game that are going to be a hassle. And that's even for us, too, when we get there way early, you know, before there's all these crowds. It's, and that's just part of, of the business. But like you said, there's so many people whose specific jobs are to make sure that this is a smooth, fun, entertaining experience. That's why we all love sports because they're fun. They're a fun thing to be a part of. And when you have a game, an atmosphere where there's 50,000-plus people and we're going to see 65 strong throughout the course of the season when the game's really count the standings, um, that's, that's, what, that's what it entails. And, and I thought it was um, – the city got a good taste of what it's going to be like, and it's only going to get easier. There's only going to be a, a little bit more of a natural rhythm, and I think fans are going to really enjoy uh, having a, a viable NFL franchise here and getting to be a part of that, whether they're at the games in person or not. Yeah, uh, great point, Sam. And, and heck, we're, I'm, I'm going to be going to a stadium, SoFi Stadium, on Saturday in Inglewood where they're actually kind of going through the same thing because uh, if you know Los Angeles, you know that football was always at the Coliseum, which is near downtown, over by USC. Um, and, and so training people, educating people now on getting 75,000 people over to Inglewood uh, which was the longtime home of the Los Angeles Lakers, the fabulous forum, and there was a horse track, racetrack over there. Uh, but it's it, they've never had to, to do, or for years anyway, uh, you know, the the, the racetrack. Uh, I think there were like eighty thousand that could sit there, that that could be there, or something something along those lines. But it's been a long time since they've had yeah. to get that many people to SoFi Stadium. So even in Los Angeles, they're going through the same thing. What's the exit? What's the time do I leave? And and you just have to expect that. And I know that they're. Everyone likes to complain and, and criticize, but it just takes a little bit of patience. We'll get there. Um, I know that for a fact. And, and again, like I said, uh, Saturday was a good indicator that things are moving in the right direction. But Sam, we got to talk about what happened uh, on the field. I'm not reading too much into a 20 to seven Raiders victory. You always want to win. That's that's always a good feeling. So uh, good on them uh, for that. But there were some areas that I was keying on, and I know there's some areas that you were uh, keying on as well. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. What um, yep. what what jumped out at you about the defensive effort on Saturday night for the Raiders? Well, I think the first the first name that comes to mind for me, Vinny, is Nate Hobbs, right? The, the 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 rookie corner who is I think firmly in the mix for that nickel slot corner uh, position. He he, you know, you, we know the sack, him flying in off the edge, getting to Geno Smith. I thought he played with an edge. I thought he played with some toughness. I thought he played with some speed. Did a good job when he was matching up. And really showed like he was ready for the opportunity. And we understand, right, the, the first teams weren't out there. We get that. You know, there's some starters that got a little bit of playing time just to get some reps or, or some, some people that we assume are going to be starters. But for the most part, the, the, the ones were not out there. We get that. The result is what it is. But, but I thought Nate Hobbs was really impressive. And I thought the defense as a whole, right, like, yes, it's preseason. But to only allow seven points and to, to there's just there was a cohesive feel to it that I don't know if it was always there last year um, during the regular season. And, and look, we're not reading into it too much. I want to be very, very clear. Nobody's saying this is the 85 Bears, but I thought what you saw, uh, even across the defensive line, there, that you have guys that were previously starters, uh, you know, Carl Nassib, Solomon Thomas, guys that have started in this league, functioning more or less as second-team players out there. It just speaks to the depth and the moves and the transactions that the Raiders made throughout the course of the offseason. We understand the defense wasn't good enough. They understand that. 
And what they did was they shored up the depth in the, the defensive backfield and across the defensive front. And I thought that came to light with, with how, with, with what we saw um, on Saturday. I think that's come to light in training camp. I think there's a lot of competition. There's going to be more depth. There's going to be some very challenging decisions and probably some very challenging cuts. Uh, but the, but at the end of the day, that's not a bad position to be in when you're one of the worst defensive teams in the league last year. So um, that, I, but but to, to answer your original question, Nate Hobbs is the guy that that I was most impressed with. We've been hearing rave reviews from from his teammates throughout the course of training camp. Uh, I thought I think he's performed well uh, in training camp so far from what we saw, and I believe based on what we saw on Saturday, he has to be firmly in the mix uh, in that slot corner uh, position, or as a guy that at the very least is going to be a part of a rotation back there in the defensive backfield. Uh, and a contributing player as a fifth round pick uh, as a rookie in 2021. You could follow Sam Gordon at by Sam Gordon. Uh, he does a great job covering so many uh, different things for the Las Vegas Review Journal, including uh, the Raiders. Uh, obviously, a um, couple of young offensive linemen uh, got the starts on got the start on Saturday. Uh, the Raiders pretty much rested uh, the veterans Colton Miller, Richie Incognito, uh, Denzel Good, but they but they wanted to get you know some reps for Alex Leatherwood, the rookie uh, from Alabama, right tackle from Alabama, Andre James, the new center, um, and, and then also John Simpson from from Clemson. I thought they handled themselves pretty well. I give Pete Carroll a lot of credit. Uh, usually, you know, defenses are vanilla this time of year, and uh, they didn't do anything crazy crazy, uh, but they, they they put some pressure on with some with some blitz calls that, Forced this young Raider offensive line and these young new, uh, three, uh, two young starters to pick up. I thought the I thought the offensive line did a pretty decent job uh, on on Saturday. Uh, Alex Leatherwood in particular. Yeah, I'm I'm with you completely. And you, you I mean, take a look at that first drive, a 14 play, uh, 70 plus yard touchdown drive that results you know that results in a score with with those guys out there getting their first um, their first NFL experience. You don't you can't have a better drive than that. Like you just can't. That is the kind of drive. Obviously, you know, head coaches, offensive coordinators, they all love big plays. Everybody loves big plays. Those are exciting. But when push comes to shove, those are the kind of drives where you get your bread butter, where you make your money. And I thought, like you said, those two young offensive linemen on the opening drive of the game did exactly what they were supposed to do, uh, handled themselves like professionals. You saw uh, the size. You saw some of the explosive athleticism. Uh, and, and all things considered, look, this is them getting their sea legs for the first time, playing uh, getting reps in a game-like situation, even though it's a preseason, getting game reps in that kind of situation against teams that they haven't seen before, uh, opposition they haven't seen, a new experience in front of fans, in front of a crowd. Uh, all things considered, I thought it was a, a strong performance by both guys. I think the Raiders and their staff have to be encouraged by what they've seen. Uh, it makes sense why they rested the veterans. You, you've seen enough from those three. But to get those guys some, some reps in the preseason, I think it's crucial. You know, be, you're, you still want to build some confidence. And Leatherwood and James look like they're heading in the right direction. And of course, uh, still a couple games left to go in the preseason. Still a couple weeks left to prepare. Uh, but all things considered, when you when you report, when you engineer that kind of drive that early in the game, uh, that's a credit to the offensive line. And those guys are part of that offensive line and are going to be counted on when the season starts. I thought they looked good and looked like professionals out there in their first game action. Sam, uh, the Raiders go to uh, Southern California this week. Uh, they'll practice Tuesday here in Las Vegas, then it's off to Thousand Oaks, California to practice against the Los Angeles Rams, uh, a team that many consider a potential Super Bowl participant or challenger uh, in the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I checked the weather report, by the way, and it's I think it's going to be about a high of 77 uh, in Thousand Oaks uh, 
<laughs> Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday when the Raiders practice. So definitely a breath of fresh air in terms of the temperature compared to here in Las Vegas. Uh, but they're going to be going up, up against, especially that young offensive line that we just talked about, a, a guy by the name of Aaron Donald. I'm not sure you've heard of him. Um, uh, and maybe, maybe the listeners, I'm not quite sure, don't want to be presumptuous and think you have. But there's a guy by the name of Aaron Donald in Los Angeles. And he's a guy that wrecks games. And I've personally seen him wreck practices, too, much to the chagrin of guys like Sean McVay. So um, I, it's going to be a handful. And Aaron Donald cuts no corners at all. He's going to bring it in practice. He's probably not going to even see the game uh, on Saturday. Understandable. But he's going to be the, He's going to show up at practice. What are you expecting? What would you like to see um, from this young offensive line against Aaron Donald? If Even if it's just the experience that they're going to get dealing with somebody that that good. That, that's exactly what it is. It's experience. It's the opportunity. Look, hey, the, at this juncture in the season, you know, training camp, pre, preseason, uh, getting practices under your belt, preparing for the regular season, you have the opportunity for two days to play against one of the best defensive players to ever play the game, to get reps, to see how he moves, to see how he works, to see how he handles his business, Right. And if you're a young offensive lineman, what what better what better learning opportunity is there than to face somebody of that caliber? That like that's an opportunity that you're not going to get very often. That Rams offensive linemen are fortunate enough to have every single day, but that the Raiders offensive I mean they might they might see Aaron Donald. You know they, these teams play once every what four years, three years with the with the schedule with, with the way it rotates. So they might not see Aaron Donald again. You know they you never know. This is an opportunity to learn from to compete uh, against one of the best players of all time. And um, and even for the guys on the defensive side of the ball, an opportunity to see how he goes about his business. What 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 does he do that sets him apart? How does he approach practice? That yeah, you that's something you you've seen for years, Benny. Right, like you said, he doesn't oh, cut the corners. There, there's a there's a reason Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. Like he, it's not just the talent; it's the way he approaches the game. So I think for the the young Raiders offensive lineman to get a chance um, this early in the season to play against somebody of that caliber, and then you know the receivers too, Jalen Ramsey. That's a first team All Pro. I mean, there's a reason this Rams team is considered a Super Bowl contender. They are loaded on both sides of the ball. And, um, and for the Raiders at this juncture in the preseason, I think it's a perfect opportunity to, to get some reps in against somebody that's not yourself, against a team in a different jersey, a team in a different uniform, different players, see different schemes, different approaches to practice, um, and, and vice versa for the Rams. Uh, I think it's a benefit, you know, same, same kind of situation where they get to see some pretty good players too. You need Nagakwe. Uh, on that Raiders defensive line, Max Crosby, guys like that. So steel sharpens steel um, at the end of the day, and, and there is no sharper steel than Aaron Donald, who is still in his prime um, at, at age 30, one of the best defensive players we'll ever see, and, and the Raiders are going to get a chance to see him up close and personal. Um, I think it's a great opportunity, and like you said, experience is huge. Drawing on that experience from competing against somebody of his ilk, of his caliber at this juncture of the season can only benefit the Raiders going forward. No question about it. Uh, very quickly, uh, Sam, a uh, huge win for the Aces uh, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I know that that was their first game back since uh, since the Olympic break. Kind of a slow start, it sounds like. Uh, but they got themselves together and uh, won in epic fashion. Uh, uh, give us a, a, a kind of a, a overview on what happened and how important a win like that can be for them moving forward. Yeah, I think it was uh, huge, Vinny. I mean, they there haven't been a lot of situations this year in which they face real adversity because they're so good. You look at the, the the roster, Olympians up and down the roster, uh, MVPs, all stars, all WNBA caliber players, um, and as and they performed as expected, best record in the league, best net rating, best offensive rating, best defensive rating for a majority of the season. 
haven't been tested like, like they were yesterday. Um, Washington comes out, spreads the floor, uh, five out, and shooting threes, driving lanes, pulling bigs out of the post, uh, out, of the, out of the paint uh, defensively. It really made it hard on the Aces in that first half. I don't think the Aces' effort was, was where it needed to be. And Liz Cambage picked up three quick fouls. And she's so important to what they do on both sides of the ball. Uh, she, she's able to play a majority of the second half or, you know, 15 of the 20 minutes in the second half. And to me, um, one of the stories of the game was how dominant she was. I mean, there was a stretch. They're down 14 going in the fourth quarter. They complete the biggest fourth quarter in franchise history. And she scores three or four baskets in a row and forces a timeout and really played with an edge and a swagger that we know she's had, that she showcased throughout her career, but that we haven't always seen this season. And she withdrew from the Olympics because she was going through some things, anxiety, depression, things that she's been very vocal about. Um, she is an advocate for mental health. And she talked after the game about how valuable that time off was her, just having a month of rest and recovery to recharge, to take a break from basketball for a little bit, to kind of refocus. And, um, and you saw that. And you saw that uh, last night. I thought she was huge. And her, her two-way play, I think, is going to be really crucial in what ultimately ends up happening to this team in the postseason. When, when, she, when she's dialed in like she was in that second half yesterday, this team is really, really hard to stop. Um, it is a huge win. Uh, very, very, very good for them to be in these kind of adverse situations because you know how intense playoffs in, in any and every sport are going to be. Uh, but it was a playoff kind of game yesterday, and the Aces responded and, and executed down the stretch. I thought they were fantastic. Chelsea Gray with the game winners. She's been everything uh, they've wanted, and then some uh, as a maestro at the point, and, uh, and that's a big win. So they, they play the Mystics again tomorrow, and I expect a uh, – uh, a much more complete effort from them after after struggling in the first half yesterday. So I, I think um, it was good to get that experience, and now you move forward and turn the page and try and do it again tomorrow. Well, you're our maestro, Sam Gordon. Uh, <laughs> never let that uh, be forgotten, uh, without a doubt. Yep. Thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. You know I always appreciate it, brother. Uh, thank you so and, much. And, Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say anytime, Benny. I know you're going out to L.A. Um, to, to, to cover the practices for us at the Review Journal. We really appreciate it. Um, and looking forward to hearing your to, to reading uh, and your reports and, and seeing your tweets and, and checking everything out um, out there back back in California. I appreciate that, man. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon. Please do. You know, I uh, keep telling you guys and reminding you guys go go follow Sam. He's a great follower. He does a tremendous job uh, here in Las Vegas covering Las Vegas sports. Uh, take care, Sam. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Saul wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Saul? Hey, Vinny. Hey, I just wanted to chime in real quick. I was there at the game. Nice. Um, we uh, we got a little secret for all the people complaining about the wait time. Show up early. Uh, we got there. Uh, I think an hour before the gates opened, we were probably like the fourth or fifth car in line. Got in. It was nice and easy. We had a great time tailgating out there in Lot J. And uh, I sit in 123, level one. And I was just amazed uh, because the first game, you know, it was the Hall of Fame that day, we, or the practice game, we didn't get to see everybody. I'm sitting behind Raider Man. I'm sitting behind Gorilla Rilla. I mean, taking in the atmosphere, watching Carlos Santana, halftime show, I, I had a great time, man. Saul, so are you um, are you local or are you uh, out of town? No, I'm local. I'm okay, I've been here for a while. Awesome, uh, but, love uh, to hear but, that. Uh, how, how, I wanted to say, I just wanted to say real quick. I mean, uh, it was amazing to see everybody out there. I mean, it was it was a blast. I'm sitting there telling my kids, you know, this is this guy, this is that guy, schooling <laughs> them on all these Raider legends. 
you know, the one gripe I did have is we got to do something to get Violator down there, man, because Violator is way too high up there, man. I, they showed him real quick, and uh, somehow he's way up there. So we got to get him down in the black hole. All right. Well, we'll see what we could do about uh, about all that. But yeah, it was a spectacular um, atmosphere, and again, it was just the, a preseason game. Um, I was was astounded. Uh, I was at the Coliseum in Los Angeles when the Rams their first preseason game back when they came back from uh, St. Louis it was against the Dallas Cowboys. There was close to a hundred thousand people uh, at the Coliseum that night. It was electric, but this was a different kind of electricity. This was a different vibe, and I just loved everything about it because it was at the new stadium. It was at the current home of the Raiders, and you, you saw the flavor that's going to be created there, uh, whether it was the Raider, the, you know, the, the Raider Nation element, uh, the Raiders history element, Las Vegas. The, Las Vegas is going to put its own spin on things. It's just a great new market, great new atmosphere, great new future for the Raiders. You're in the huddle with Eddie Von Snur, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.